Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. This is episode four in our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone series. We're focusing on fine-tuning your health and nutrition and giving yourself the best shot at being fit and healthy in the lead-up to race day. Welcome to our Great North Run Nutrition Milestone Series, dedicated to supporting everyone training in the 2022 Great North Run with food and nutrition tips. This is for you if you've got a place in this year's Great North Run and it's your first half marathon, or perhaps you're experienced in half marathons but haven't focused on nutrition before now. So whether this is your first half marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being Great North Run ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We want you to be fit and fueled for race day. We'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. We'll be covering run training milestones, nutrition milestones, rest and recovery rituals, injury healing and recovery tips, mindset mojo, and some Great North Run fun and factoids. Each episode, we will build on the previous episode, so by the time the event day arrives, you're going to feel race ready. And although we're tracking this iconic event, we're sure you'll find the information interesting and helpful for any half marathon preparations. We'd love you to share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. We do hope you find our advice helpful. Let us know how you're progressing on your training. We'd love to hear from you. And you can reach us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. And we'd ask you to listen to the end of the episode as we've got a special offer for you. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Aileen for the fourth episode in our Great North Run Milestone series. And it's only five weeks until race week, so it's getting really close now. Uh, We hope that you're following a consistent training plan now and that your miles are building up and you're feeling really confident about the race. And just as a reminder, our expertise, as we always say, is in the realm of nutrition. So when we are talking to you about the other aspects of your run training we are speaking from our experience as runners Um, we're not running coaches or sports therapy practitioners but we could recommend um, other experts if you feel you need more specific advice so do just get in touch with us about that and we can point you in the right direction 
And also, if you'd like additional support, do check out our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and use a special discount code, which is RACE, aptly named R-A-C-E, to get the program for only £97. And all the details will be at the end of the episode anyway, so you'll get more information then. So Aileen, over to you. What have we got planned to discuss today? Hi, everyone. Hi, Karen. Uh, Well, we're going to follow the same format as the previous GNR episodes. Um, So the last one was uh, episode 104, just in case you're listening for the first time, you'd like to go back and and check out the previous episodes. Um, So today, uh, as usual, we'll start with run training milestones and just give you a few pointers about where your training plan might be at this stage in the preparations. And then we're going to focus on nutrition. So our nutrition milestone is really focused on giving you the best shot at being fit and healthy in the lead up to the race. And uh, we're also going to talk about adapting your fueling for distance. Um, When it comes to rest and recovery rituals, we're going to be uh, in the bathroom. We're going to be talking magnesium baths, oils and lotions. And following on from that theme, we're going to be talking about how you uh, recover and uh, prevent muscle cramps because they can sometimes uh, begin to be a problem when we're doing longer runs. And then uh, going on to Mindset Mojo, uh, we're, we're sort of going into the future here. We're thinking about what your race plan is, thinking about travel and preparation and execution. And then finally, we'll end up with some uh, great North Run fun and fact toys, because I know you like those, Karen. I do indeed, Aileen. So thanks for that outline. Um, so before we delve into this, could you maybe give us a quick recap of our discussion last time, just to refresh all our memories? Yeah, well, the, the discussion around um, run training, uh, last time we were nine weeks away from race day. So in the past month, hopefully you've been able to increase the distances of your long runs to around about an 18K easy run. And uh, you're probably going to have added in some shorter distances each week. So maybe two or three shorter distances each week, maybe with one at a faster pace and uh, possibly even one with some hill drills in too. Um, So in this last four to five weeks uh, before the race, ideally your long run should be at that 18k distance every week so that you feel really at ease and comfortable doing that distance. Um, But our, our theme in this episode, as I said, is all about keeping yourself fit and healthy and in peak condition in the last phase of your training. Um, So thinking about training, Karen, um, what should people be considering now, especially if you're a first time half marathon runner? Yeah, well, I think really at about this point in training, it's all about experiencing different scenarios. So things like running at different times of the day, maybe perhaps going on your long runs at the time of day your race will be happening, because sometimes that can be slightly later than what you're used to. Um, Maybe running in different weather conditions so that you're not phased if it's raining or if it's a really hot, sunny day on race day. And I think we mentioned last time that experience of being in other races, even if they are shorter distances, really helps us to prepare. So that's something else I would suggest as well. And I'd I'd also suggest getting some hills in. Um, You might know exactly what the terrain is like, and it is fairly flat. Am I right, Aileen? 
there, there are a few hilly bits. I remember somebody saying to me, you know, they did, I'd done it two or three times and they said to me, is it hilly? And I was like, no, no, it's not hilly. And then after the race, she said, it was hilly. You yeah. lied. So I, I guess it depends on what your experience is, where you run normally. Um, but, but yeah, there are some inclines, definitely. Okay, so undulating, we'll say. Undulating, yes. Yes, indeed. So, so, so just getting in maybe a few hill drills or just running where there are some hills to get that hills uh, alongside endurance in. And also think about, um, are you going to run the race solo or with a running buddy? And whatever your choice, how does that fit with your approach to your training? You know, do you need to be going out and running with your buddy? Because it is quite different running solo to running alongside someone, especially around energy, because when you're with somebody, you tend to chat and that uses up energy. So really thinking about that and um, and maybe doing some buddy runs before race day. So Aileen, if um, our longer run is 18K, like you were saying at the beginning, um, where again would that be on the GNR route? Well, just before I answer that, Karen, I was just thinking about your suggestion there about running with a buddy. Mm. I think it's sometimes it's like the other way around. A lot of people train with their buddy. And then when it comes to race day, you know, the potential is you might get separated and that can freak people out if that happens. So I think mm. having the experience of doing some solo running, if you don't already do that, is also a good thing. So I think either or really, it's like just try to get experience in both, yes. both scenarios. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, so going back to your question, so the 18K uh, marker is just past the 11-mile point. Now, actually, you will have just completed a tough uphill between uh, mile 10 and 11. Um, it is quite hard because, obviously, you're tired at that point. And one of the things that affected me the first year I did it was I was capable of running up that incline but everybody around me was walking and I found that really off-putting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, bear that in mind when you when you get to that point. Um, it is hard, but there are lots of supporters around shouting you on. And really, the crowds never go away. You are never on your own on the Great North Run. <laughs> There's not a minute of the road where you're on your own. Um, so, um, you know, once you get past the 11 mile point, you'll, you'll be heading to mile 12 and you'll start to see a view of the sea. And obviously, that's a great sight. And um, there is a very short, steep downhill at that point when you run across the coast road. There is a pub on the, the left-hand side of the road that everybody gathers at, but I can't remember the name of it. It's probably some iconic pub um, that people will know. Anyway, you, you'll start um, running downhill. If it's the field's fantastic. You know, you're running downhill towards the sea. Um, and then you'll start seeing the countdown signs marking the number of kilometres to the end. So you've got a, just over a mile to go. And it is a tough mile uh, because you almost like feel like you're finished, but, you know, you've still got quite a bit to go. Um, and that the first year I did, it, I found it quite a hard mile. And so I always remind myself of that in my training. So getting the miles in on your training will really help you in that less mile. And, and depending on your fitness level, I mean, people have different views about the last mile, don't they? You know, some people really like to pick up the speed. Other people 
um, you know, they finally get this surge of energy and they're able to do it. Um, for me, I think it's just keep steady. Uh, that helps me. But you know, you've got to find your own, own way of doing it. And um, I think the main thing is to enjoy your moment. You know, you you again, you, you will. It feels a little bit different because you're running through. Um, you know, there are people on both sides of the road. There are some people in stands, actually, um, you know, so uh, there's soldiers lining the road. You know, there's lots of people um, cheering you on. So just enjoy your moment. You're, ne- you're nearly there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's right. It's just remembering that you are near, just nearly there. And a lot of it, I think, in that last mile or so is psychological. You know, they say running is 80% psychological and 20% physical. And I do think, you know, you're getting tired and maybe feeling a little bit hungry, even though you've been eating throughout. And, um, and, and a mile seems a long way, but you are almost there. And like you say, seeing the sea, Aileen, hopefully will make people smile. So think, yes, uh-huh. I'm almost there. Because I remember when I did my first marathon, which was the Berlin Marathon, and I saw the Brandenburg Gates, and I still had quite a bit to run, but I thought, I've done it. And I had this grin on my face because I thought, oh, my God, I've actually made it. I've actually, I'm actually going to complete this. So it is a great feeling, especially if it's your first one and you see the scene, you know, you're almost there. OK, Aileen, on that, let's now think about our nutrition and um, what we should be paying attention to in this phase of our training. So um, in the series so far, we've talked about the importance of the nutrition foundations, which includes the eating regularly eating your protein with every meal and having a balanced plate every meal so for everyday nutrition and then adapting your plate for your different levels of training we did also share suggestions for pre during and post fueling in the last episode and we really hope that you've been practicing eating during and post training runs because that's really difficult for some people but that's going to really support your digestive system and ensure that it's conditioned to receive and digest food for the rest of your training but ultimately for race day as well. So today we have two aspects of nutrition to discuss. So nutrition to give yourself the best shot at being fit and healthy in the lead up to the race and then adapting your food intake for that distance. So Aileen, what would be your message on being fit and healthy in the lead up to the race? Well, my focus is always to keep myself fit and well, because the last thing I want to happen is to catch a cold or an infection or any other sort of minor illness, which takes me away from a training or even worse, it might jeopardize me getting to the start line. And that, you know, I've had you know, little things in the past where I've caught a cold and I've heard people getting food poisoning and things like that that have knocked them off their stride in that last couple of weeks. So I think nutritionally, the focus should be on energy and on immune system. Um, so the, the key really is to consider which food and nutrients are important to energy and the immune system and, and optimize those nutrition those nutrients in your food plan and that means you'll also um you know you'll you just be making yourself a little bit more robust and i think the other thing to consider is to minimize anything that food or lifestyle which could deplete you and ultimately might impact on energy levels or suppress your immune system mm, absolutely i totally agree with that so alien in these sort of three to four weeks leading up to the race day regarding food and nutrition what would you say is in and what would you say is out 
Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, these might be difficult for people to take on board, but I think it's certainly something worth considering. So I think the things to keep out or at least minimise, I mean, let's be realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to take things out completely, but just minimise them. So the, the thinking about the things um, related to food or lifestyle that potentially deplete nutritional status, well, one of them is is alcohol. So my suggestion is minimize alcohol and consider your socializing and how much alcohol you're drinking every week, especially around your long training run or any intensive training sessions. Now, we did a full episode on alcohol, um, episode 57 it was, so it was a while ago, alcohol and running, is it okay? And um, So there's lots of information that I felt it was a really interesting topic to cover at the time. Um, and the main reason for minimizing your alcohol intake is that alcohol consumption may suppress your immune system and that's going to potentially leave you open to minor illness and infection. So I think everybody's got to make their own judgments around this. Uh, for me, I never drink before a training run. And in these crucial weeks, I'd maybe just have alcohol on, on one day. And it is a bit of a, you know, you do feel a little bit... Um, I don't know. Well, a martyr is not really the right word, but you do sort of, you feel a bit self-righteous, I suppose, doing it. You think, well, you know, I've got to do this for the, you know, the greater good. Um, but it's all the better afterwards once you've done it. And I think you just know then you've given yourself the best shot. So, um, you know, try your best. That's all I would say. Okay, at the end of the day, you know, alcohol is inflammatory. So and you want to minimise the possibility of any inflammation of any kind in the body at that at this point in time. These are crucial weeks really leading up to race day. Yeah. And you don't want to throw away all the hard training mm -hmm. by getting a cold or something like that. Um, and then the next thing I would suggest is minimize junk food or, or processed foods. And, and I'm just mentioning it because if you eat good quality fresh food, that's going to really increase your opportunity to get the best possible nutrition from your food. Um, so don't eat empty calories. Make sure that the, the food is really nutritious. And um, that's, again, going to help your immune system, help your energy production and also help digestion. So all of those things are really important. Uh, and then finally, I think my other thing that I would set, suggest needs to be really managed carefully is minimizing stress. Now, again, um, that's a, a huge topic, but I think the important thing to consider is that stress, both chronic and acute stress, uh, will contribute to suppressing your immune system. And also it depletes you of important nutrients in the energy cycle and also in the immune system. So in these last, you know, four weeks, just really do everything you can to lighten your life load what in whatever way. And also adding in the restorative rest will support your health enormously. Um, so just just bear that in mind. Yeah. Reflect yeah. on it while you're out on your long runs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And Karen, what so I've done the out things, what would you um, suggest as the add in nutrients and lifestyle factors to focus on at this phase? 
Yeah, well, over and above sort of the foundational nutrition that we've been discussing over and over again in the past few weeks and and really practicing your pre, during and post-fueling, I think the key areas to support energy and, and your immune system would really be about focusing in on um, eating a rainbow of vegetables and fruit. Uh, max out in this area, I would say, you know, ensure that you're having the seven to nine portions per day and lots of variety lots of colour and nutrients which tend to get depleted due to the stress that you were speaking about Aileen are the likes of the vitamin C, the B vitamins and magnesium and remember that your endurance running so your long runs um, are, are a stressor so um, so they will add to that stress load as well as sort of the everyday living types of stresses that may be going on in your lives now thinking about the vitamin C the B vitamins and magnesium uh, vitamin C foods include your dark green leafy and cruciferous vegetables, your citrus fruits berries, bell peppers and um, we will we won't go through them all now, but we'll put a list of those um, in the show notes for easy reference for you. And then again, with your B vitamins, they're going to be found in the likes of the whole grains, legumes, nuts and seeds, meats and poultry, eggs. So, so really, as you can see, as long as you're having a variety and a lot of colour, then you will be ensuring the best possibility of, of taking on board all these key nutrients. And then thinking about your magnesium, um, foods rich in magnesium include your green leafy vegetables, such as your spinach and kale. Um, you'll also get it from sea vegetables, so the likes of the kelp and nori. And you can buy sort of the flakes for those to, to sprinkle over salads and fish dishes. And you'll get it nuts and seeds, whole grains. And of course, you'll get some in dark chocolate as well. So, And it's quite rich, actually. Um, sort of, you think about 28 grams of dark chocolate. So that's just one ounce. It contains 64 milligrams of um of magnesium so and that's actually about 16 percent of the recommended daily intake so so um that's actually quite a good source of magnesium but uh, we would just say to just remember to choose chocolate containing at least 70 percent cacao to to maximize the amount of magnesium and the other health benefits of dark chocolate so so those would be my suggestions of of things to to include in the next four weeks yeah, I mean, probably most people are already getting some of these foods anyway, but it's just a, an opportunity to um, just remind ourselves and make sure we're getting a great variety. Exactly. Um, yeah, and another thing that might be a good idea at this point is to consider a really good quality multivitamin to support immune health. Um, so I have a, a favourite multi uh, from We Are Feel, and it's called Immunity, and it, it contains uh, beta-glutens, vitamin D, zinc and a few other um, herbal extracts all are there to support the immune system so that might be another good way of just adding um, what you uh, what you need so I'll, I'll add that to the show notes because they have a, a code that can uh, give you a I think it's a 10% discount on your first order um, so that's so that's just talking about all the multi the micronutrients that you will need to support yourself um, we did talk about sleep last time, and so I think it's just a, a reminder to get plenty of good quality sleep too. Um, 
And also I'd like to remind everyone not to ignore any last minute aches or injuries. Um, you know, no matter how close you are to uh, race day, take professional advice. Uh, and if you need to pause your running for some short term recovery, just remember that you've done lots of training and, and resting now will be better preparation for, for the race than, than running through an injury. Mm, I think that's really good advice, Aileen, and I'll, I'll take that advice on board myself <laughs> for the future. But you were saying earlier, you know, about these minor illnesses that you that you can that you can pick up uh, at this point in time, and you know, getting a, a last minute summer cold is is always a bit of a setback, but could possibly happen. Do you have any advice for everybody regarding that, Aileen, that happened to them? Yeah, well, my advice is to be prepared for any eventuality. I, I remember a few years ago buying the um, the metro tickets for um, some friends that were coming up and they needed to get the metro from the finish line. Um, so two or three days before I was queuing up for my tickets and there was a man in front of me who was coughing and sneezing. And I was like, oh, no, you know, he's going to give me his germs and the last thing I need is to get a cold. So, you know, it, it can happen at any time, really. But as I say, I, I like to be prepared for any eventuality. So I always have the nutritional supplements in stock at home and that really helps minimize the effect of a, a cold so as soon as I if I feel that I'm exposed to anybody who's got a cold or if I get the first signs I, I take the, uh, the supplements and that you know helps me just I might still get a cold but it might not be as bad mm. uh, but it means that I can keep my training going um my personal preference is I, my go-to always is echinacea and vitamin c and um my my sign is if I if I feel tired, um, I, I sort of like know that something's happening because normally my energy level is quite good. Um, but on when I'm sort of having that low level energy and I don't know why, it's a sign that my immune system is working overtime, and that's usually a sign that an infection is is brewing. Um, so um, what I tend to do is I'll immediately take echinacea and um, high doses of vitamin C. And, and I, I find that taking these supplements regularly over a few days can either stop a full bone cold or at least keep my symptoms manageable. And, and I never travel anywhere without these supplements in my suitcase. So, um, you know, because again, I think travel is another, particularly those of you who are, you know, traveling to the Great North Run, you you amongst different people and you want to uh, pick up something so yeah have something with you that can help and I'll put my suggestions in the show notes because I think uh, it might be helpful for people right yes and we did we did do a whole uh, we do a lot we've been doing this for two years now Paris so we've got a lot of episodes haven't we, yeah, we did an episode on endurance running in the immune system which was episode 14 so if, if again if anybody wants to go back and listen to that it might be helpful yeah, yeah. And also just something else I wanted to remind everybody about is just adapting your plate palate balance and potentially your food intake as well on the days when you're completing your long distance run. That's really going to help support the body overall, your health and your immune systems. So on the days when, say, you're doing your very long run, so the 18K sort of distance, you should really be increasing your carbohydrate intake predominantly um, you'll be taking on board more carbohydrate during your runs and we'd suggest that you 
also increase the carbohydrate balance on your post-drawn meal. So up to half of your plate being carbohydrates. Really no change to your, your protein portion, but just still making sure that it's substantial and that it's quarter of a plate. And um, and then the other quarter of the plate is going to be the the, the vegetables, the non-root vegetables. So, so it's just adapting the plate to really increase the the carbohydrate intake on those really long day uh, long run days because you want to replenish those glycogen stores so that stored energy as quickly and as efficiently um, as possible. So I hope that makes sense to everybody. But if you do have any questions, do get in touch and remember that if you are in the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runner program, you can can drop in um, to the Thursday coaching circle, which is at lunchtime and the evening, to ask any questions. So, um, so do get in touch with this. So imagine you're an elite athlete and care for yourself as if you were an Olympian. I think that's really good advice and I really like that idea. And it's only a few weeks now and you'll feel the benefits. So really worth just just nurturing yourself, taking care of yourself in these last few weeks and giving, like Aileen was saying, giving yourself the best chance possible. So on that note, Aileen, shall we just take a, a quick advert break before we move on? Yes, yes, let's do that. So um, this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a minute to uh, talk to you about what we do outside of the podcast. Uh, And one of the things that we've got available for you is uh, something called the Five Steps Food Planning e-book. And we we designed that because we were finding that um, people were telling us that healthy eating and food planning was an ongoing struggle. And they, they try to stay on track, but life gets in the way of them living the lifestyle that they want to do consistently. And we find that food planning does tend to be an ongoing struggle for many people and and runners are no exception. In fact, sometimes it can be harder for runners because they're trying to fit in so much into their daily lives. You know, they've got work, family, children, elderly parents, friends, socialising, and they've got the running schedule too. So, So we decide designed um, a five-step process and we run it as a workshop and we've also got a couple of um, episodes on this topic too Um, but to to help everybody we designed a a free ebook describing the five steps so the five steps are discovering your foodie personality making healthy choices making a plan being prepared and committing to action Um, Karen and I follow the five steps ourselves and we regularly remind ourselves of what the five steps are because sometimes we take you know take a step away from the plan too and um, we really try to think of everything to help you be successful at food planning in a quick and easy way so if you like uh, the workbook uh, you can download it at runnershealthhub.com which is our website uh, look at the top menu bar uh, look at free nutrition guides uh, and then you'll you'll find the ebook all you need to do is pop your email in and we'll send the book over to you. And um, ideally, listen listen to um, episodes 92 and 96 um, alongside uh, looking at the ebook and doing the exercises in the ebook. And then you'll find out all our tips on, on food planning. And we hope that will help you in the next few weeks and you know forever, really. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we hope you like the five steps. And as, as always, you know, drop us a line. Let us know how you get on. 
definitely. Yeah, we do like to hear your comments and hear how you're all doing. So thanks for that, Aileen. Now let's think about rest and recovery plans. In the last episode, we talked about the importance of sleep, like Aileen mentioned earlier. And before that, we covered rest days and having active recovery, which we really hope now is second nature for you all. So today we're going to chat about using magnesium baths, magnesium oils and lotions, and really how using magnesium transdermally, so on the skin, it can be supportive really to rest and recovery. So Aileen, would you just expand a little bit on that for us? Yes, well, magnesium is known as the universal mineral because it plays an important role in the structure and function of the body. In fact, it's involved in more than 300 metabolic reactions as a mineral. And it's also a cofactor for many um, enzymatic reactions too. Um, So the kind of roles that um, magnesium plays that influence sport performance Um, many of which, you know, people will have heard of. So obviously muscle function and magnesium helps relieve muscle tension and muscle spasms. Um, It also helps glucose metabolism, which is very important for us, and energy production. It helps with electrolyte balance, uh, bone health, metabolism of protein, uh, relaxation and sleep quality, and reduction in tiredness and fatigue. And, And one that is popping into my mind, which isn't really running related, although it might be something that affects many runners. It can also, if you've got a good magnesium status, it can also help alleviate constipation. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I use a lot with clients who are suffering from constipation. So, um, so yeah, that's a sort of an overview of, of the many roles that magnesium uh, performs. But it's also worth noting that in strenuous exercise, it's thought that the loss of magnesium through, um, it's thought that, exercise increases the loss of magnesium through urine and sweat uh, and that the demands on an athlete might be 10 to 20 percent higher than the general population so you know we focus a lot on optimizing magnesium via your food plan Karen's mentioned a few things earlier there Um, but we also mentioned using magnesium transdermally via the skin because that can help top up your overall magnesium status Um, and as we have quite a high requirement for magnesium for all of these different functions, the dietary intake is vital. Um, but also using it transdermally, as I say, can just top up our status. And it can also help target sore tight muscles and help us relax to, uh, and sleep as well. So um, lots of um, uses and benefits for, for using magnesium. And earlier, Karen, you, you mentioned magnesium salt baths and oils and lotions. So how do you use these products for for rest and recovery? Yeah, well, I think probably both of us are advocates of the Better You range of products and um, and I use them quite a lot. So after my long runs, I'll always have a soak in a magnesium salt bath and I really enjoy that. Um, Whatever time of day that might be, I'll I'll have a bath afterwards. And there are a few products in the Better You range, for example, as well as their original. 
um, sort of magnesium baths. They also have revive, relax, muscle, mind. Um, so there, there's a, it depends what you want to use the magnesium for. So just be aware of that um, and, and just choose whichever you prefer, depending on what it is you need. So, yeah, just enjoying the relaxing in a bath. with a, I always put a candle on and I have some um, spa music on as well, Alien. So yeah. Very nice. Very good. Well, I am using the muscle at the moment, which I love. Mm. And um, I also use the magnesium body lotion because that's a really just nice way, you know, I moisturize. So it's a good way to top up my magnesium levels. Uh, And I also use the magnesium oil spray, which I'll spray directly onto tight muscles, especially on the days that DOM set in. Um, So that can be really helpful. And you know, sometimes I'll even have it on the bedside table and I'll put it on my legs before I go to sleep. So, um, yeah, I I really love all of those products and I think they're a a good tool to have in the runner's uh, toolkit or or bathroom. Actually, having it by by your bed, I think, is a really good idea, especially for people who may suffer from restless leg syndrome because that tends to happen at night in bed. So maybe just sort of spraying on um that before jumping into bed might actually help a little bit it's worth trying i would say yeah well it's a sort of i think it's a reminder you know you you're about to get in the bed and you see it and you think all right i'll use that now so Mm -hmm. that's why i i quite like it good tip yeah and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can browse the the better you range Okay, so we're going to have a brief chat now about injury and recovery. And today we're staying on the theme of muscle cramps. Um, So let's uh, chat about why they occur and what we can do to alleviate. Now, I know um, we've actually in the schedule, we've got we're going to do a full episode on muscle cramps next week. Uh, So we're just going to give you a quick overview uh, today. Um, So, Karen, have you ever suffered from muscle cramps? Yes, I have actually, Aileen, um, quite quite often, um, but thankfully never during training or a race. It's always sort of seems to be afterwards and it seems to just happen sporadically. Uh, but I have to say, I do often see runners at the side of the road nursing a calf or a hamstring. That seems to be the key areas. It's it's always the leg, isn't it, that, that, that they're, uh, they're holding on to. So, um if yeah I do see it a lot in races but thankfully I haven't actually suffered it but if I do get cramps it does tend to be in my toes and um, like I say it it tends to occur at really random times and it can be quite painful oh my goodness Um, and when it when it does occur I tend to sort of stretch it and massage it and just massage the whole area and and all I have to say it does tend to be my telltale sign that I need to address my magnesium intake um, but what I would say there is that it's not necessarily magnesium for everybody, but that is a telltale sign for me. Um, it could be sodium levels for some other people, or it could be another reason why they're experiencing cramps. It isn't always just about the electrolyte balances. So. Yeah, true. And so what are, the, what are the main causes of muscle cramps, Karen? Well, one of the theories is that it's linked to magnesium and also calcium because um, they work closely together in influencing muscle contraction and relaxation. Now, there are other theories that um, that are coming out, and I'll go into more detail about that in next week's episode. But I think the one that's most commonly um, 
thought about and spoken about is the magnesium and then that calcium influence there as well because the the muscle contraction cycle is triggered by calcium and the relaxation process is then triggered by magnesium as it acts as that natural calcium blocker and as we know is that muscle relaxant but if magnesium levels are low, muscles could contract too much, which is then known to cause the symptoms such as cramps or muscle spasms and also the restless leg syndrome that we mentioned earlier. And this tends to occur mostly at night time and when in bed and, and can also, it can lead to and add to poor, poor sleep. And as we've been speaking about, sleep is really important for our training. So really important to address any restless legs or cramps that you're experiencing so thinking back a step Karen why why might magnesium levels be too low well the main reasons for it potentially being too low are low dietary intake um, and we have mentioned some foods um, earlier so just thinking about the foods that contain magnesium and upping that it could possibly be low absorption of magnesium and that could be related to the consumption of caffeine alcohol and soft drinks which um, include phosphoric acid which competes with magnesium for that absorption um, from the intestine so um so that could that could be um, a cause there is evidence that magnesium balance remains positive as long as protein is above 30 grams per day so if you have a low protein diet this could be associated with a low magnesium status as well and i don't think a lot of people would make that association um so that's worth remembering as well but also overhydration you know excessive drinking tends to lead to increased urination which could result in increased magnesium loss in urine and also dilute the magnesium levels and all electrolyte levels in the system and then again, a high sweat rate because you will lose some magnesium um, through sweat. And it is also thought that muscle cramps could be related to uh, muscle fatigue. And that might happen for other unexplained reasons. Um, maybe it's because you're running at a faster a speed in a race than you did in training so there are lots of different reasons why magnesium could be low but um that that muscle cramping is happening it might not be magnesium it might be for for other reasons and it could be central fatigue it could be leading to muscle fatigue yeah i think what's striking me is that all of these things that you've said here karen are, are modifiable through all within our control aren't they you know we can make sure we've got good dietary sources uh, we can promote the absorption by taking out some of these things that you've mentioned yeah or just eating them at different times you don't necessarily have to although we'd be advocating you minimize them anyway at this point of time in your training but if you if you are if you do enjoy a cup of coffee just make sure that you're not eating you're not drinking it alongside any magnesium rich foods yeah yeah Uh, yes any food really it's probably best to keep it separate yes Okay, well, that's really helpful. Um, And what what would you suggest a runner should do if they get a cramp during a race? 
Well, the various articles that I've read suggest it's best to just stop and stretch the affected muscle for any time between three to 60 seconds. It really depends how severe the cramping is. Um, and, and I would say not to, to not really worry about the short time that you're taking out of your training or your race, because easing the cramp will hopefully make the rest of the race more bearable and it might really help you recover really quickly and get back to your normal running pace. Whereas if you try and run through it or you don't stretch appropriately, you might just find it comes back. So you're losing more time. So definitely take the time to make sure you've you've massaged and eased it. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, I, it's not usually a major issue for me, um, to be honest, but um, one in one Great North Run, I think it was maybe two or three ago I did get some cramp-like spasms in my calves and it was towards the end of the race and I was so worried that I'd, that I'd keel over that I had to really walk run the last mile which really wasn't in the plan so from what you're saying maybe if I'd stopped and stretched that would have relieved it um, but I was running with somebody else that year so we were running together um, it, was, it wasn't a great year because we were both nursing injuries. And so we decided that we'd run together. But then you, you feel duty bound when you're with somebody to keep up with them, don't you? Whereas if, maybe if I'd been solo running, I wouldn't have done that. Um, mm-hmm. But I know since then, I definitely have paid more attention to my magnesium status in the run up to a race. So, you know, the, the food, the transdermal products and also... I would take a magnesium supplement um, as part of my plan in the two to three weeks uh, leading up to the race. Uh, So I know we're going to talk a a lot more about this in episode 108 next week, Karen. Uh, What I'd say is if anybody's noticing uh, the signs of low magnesium, so cramps, restless leg, fatigue, just make sure that you're eating lots of magnesium-rich foods. Ensure that you're well hydrated, not over, not under, uh, and try out a magnesium bath post-run and maybe some magnesium gel or oil targeted at the, the muscles which are, are cramping. And again, uh, we'll give you uh, more advice next week. Excellent. So thanks for that, Aileen. So next up is some mindset mojo advice. And today, like we said, we're thinking ahead towards race day. And on our next episode, we're going to cover race day um, nutrition. So today we're going to start getting our minds in the zone, sort of thinking about your race plan and really sort of some practical preps that you could put in place. And why do you, would you say, Aileen, that this is really important and important to be thinking about it now? Well, I've mentioned this before, um, when it was my first Great North Run, I did train hard and I put a lot of work in, but I really wasn't mentally prepared for the challenge and I wasn't nutritionally prepared either because this was before I trained as a nutritionist. And um, I think the reason that the mental preparation is important is it just really helps you prepare for the unexpected and the expected and and by doing that nothing's going to surprise you and and then you'll be able to manage any pre-race anxiety or nerves or excitement and and deal also with the challenges during the race too whatever they might be and um, I think that's another reason for, for us sharing little glimpses of what to expect at each stage of the Great North Run uh, race because 
they, they'll provide you some mental milestones as you run. And hopefully you'll say, oh, yes, that's what Aileen and Karen said to expect to, you know, mile five. And yeah. I'm OK, I'm fine. So, yeah. so that's the reason I think it's important to uh, think ahead to race day. Yes, and often we think sort of race plans are only for serious competitive runners, but I agree every runner should have one. And the key thing is this is an opportunity to really plan ahead and consider how you plan to run on race day. You might also want to consider this as more of a a race day plan, as Aileen was saying. Um, But what is likely to happen pre-race leading up to running and also post-race as well. You know, it's all about making sure that nothing is left to chance on race day. It's about being prepared and Aileen's all about being prepared. I do try my best. You do indeed. My background in operations management, so I was always like, it was like I've got to prepare for anything going wrong and what is my contingency, and I think that's just stayed with me. Yeah, and I think that's great that you've got that there because you're always thinking ahead, you're always thinking about different scenarios that could potentially happen and how you would then deal with that, so... Great, great skills. So, Aileen, what would your tips be for pre-race for the Great North Run? Um, well, for any race, I always get my running kit set out the day before. It's a little bit of a ritual. I'm sure lots of people do that, uh, although I do know some people that don't, having said that. because mm-hmm. uh, I have a, a little gang of people that come to my house beforehand, and there are some that are always running around not having what they need. Uh, and I'm like, you know, my, my what I actually do, Karen, is to make you laugh, if there's a few people, I have everything set up on the sideboard in the hall so that anybody who's not got safety pins or (sighs) anything like that I've got it there because I can't cope with their stress and I just think whatever they need I've already got I've already prepared for it um so me me personally I get my running kit set out the day before and I I also have my bag packed the day before Mm. um and that's for any race um but I think my top tip for Great North Run day is to think about how much time you'll need to arrive at the start line so the logistics of travel and the potential delays uh you've got to factor into your plan and um, remember that you know there's 40 to fifty thousand participants uh, plus their family and friends so that's a lot of people on the roads on the trains around the start line you know it's huge uh when you arrive at the start area Um, The first thing you'll have to do is find your baggage bus and uh, potentially queue to get your bag on board. And uh, it's really like the busiest outdoor bus station in the world. You know, there's probably about 40 double-decker buses. It's a lot. You know, there's a lot of people. And um, when when you get to the bus... Uh, they'll they'll print your they'll have a little stamp and they'll put the number of the bus on your um you know your race label so that you don't have to remember it uh, unless you lose your race label <laughs> so don't lose your race label remember what bus you're on and um remember uh to take your pre-run snack out of the bag so when I'm packing I will put that at the top of the bag so that I don't have to rustle around at the bag mm-hmm. uh, baggage bus you know so I know what I want to get out of the bag and then I can feel safe that I've got my snack. Aileen before you move on there I'm just thinking um what what do you 
put in your bag because that might be helpful for other people to know so that they feel prepared and that they've got everything that they need for the end of the race what do you what do you take with you for the end um well I take things that really like a washproof jacket in case it's raining or cold at the end um I'll have um maybe my flask with some ginger tea or some hot water um uh, I might have a post run snack in there um so lot lots of things that just things that I might need just basic things um because you well for me you know it can take me about 3 hours to get home uh because there's, again there's so many people there's so many queues so you have to have everything with you really but i i thought i would maybe go through a list of things next on the next episode because we'll be nearer the right. today so I'll, I'll i'll cover that again yeah. Um, but yeah i think you know start thinking about what you what you might need and you know, you're not, it's not a big deal, is it, you know, to throw a few things in a bag, but make sure you've got it. And uh, that's, that'll be helpful. Uh, and I think the other thing, um, you know, at the beginning, uh, you'll, you'll want to go to the toilet, everybody wants to go to the toilet, you might want to go several times. Uh, and there are lots of portable toilet blocks. But again, you'll have to queue. And um, you, you'll probably want a loose stop before you go to your starter zone. Um, and, and what time you go to your starter zone might you know affect how much time you've got to queue so you know again I always tend to be there early because the friends that I run with we're all very super like got to get there early sometimes we feel we're maybe a little bit too early but at least you've got some time to factor in things that might go might go wrong Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I personally like to get into the zone or the pen early because I can choose my spot rather than having to be squeezed in so you know I know where I like to stand and and I I like to be in in that spot and if I I don't want to be crushed by people Um, and if you are late what can happen is the zone gate might close and then you'll be directed to the back and although I, I know some runners will just jump over the fence to get into the zone that they want but that's not something I'd want to do because I'd be thinking, oh, my God, what if I fall over and hurt myself? So, you know, I'm a bit risk averse. But a lot of people do just uh, ignore the security guards and they just jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, very irritating if you've been there, uh, you know, early and somebody's jumping in in front of you. But, you know, you've got to let that go, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Get all sorts on race day. You do. So, So what? tips Karen have you got that uh, people should suggest for their race plan for instance well I would really suggest chunking the race into sections and that's definitely something that I do and that sort of helps me um, get through the the race and you could chunk it into something like three miles six miles nine miles 12 miles and then you know you've just got that last mile to go or if you work in K's it could be like you're your 5k, your 10k. And I know when I get towards the end of a race and maybe it's about three miles to go or 5k to go and I think, and I imagine where I run at home on a training run on a 5k and I think, oh, I've only got that amount to do. That's quite a short run. So that kind of helps me um, psychologically. Um, 
they would also help you with this as well and help you kind of break down that those miles so that and that can help make it easier and you might even want to practice some of this um and in some of your longer runs uh, just to see how it feels for you and um if it makes a difference both physically and psychologically actually but general advice would be um up to 3 miles This is when you're kind of settling in, keeping calm. Don't run too fast. Try and find your pace and try and conserve your energy at this point. Um, Ideally, you want to be aiming for a negative split, so slower in the first half and then faster in the second half. But that is, you know, an aim. It doesn't work for everybody. And somewhere after this point, you'll um, have started your during run fueling, depending on what your strategy is regarding time intervals to take on fuel. But as we've said before, you know, between 45 minutes to an hour, um, you want to be thinking about taking on something. It may help to run. Well, yes, just reiterating that negative split. So I think that can really help with getting you settled into your pace. And just keeping that in mind um, will help pull you back because so many people run out quickly and too quickly. My running partner does that a lot. And then by the time she gets towards the end of the race, she's at Absolutely exhausted. So just thinking about that negative, aiming for a negative split to try and pull yourself back um, and 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 keep keep your speed um, and your pace slower. Then up to six miles, you'll probably have settled in and you might be running a little bit faster now. Remember how well prepared you are and have faith in your training because you've done the training. So you know you're capable. Just remain confident in that and um, and you'll do well. And just remember to fuel and hydrate because that positive mindset, the fueling and the hydration is what's going to get you to the, to the end of the race. And just remember to run your own race. Don't run anybody else's race. Um, think about your speed, your goals, not what everybody else is doing in the race. And I can't emphasize that enough because you you can quite often look at other people and think, oh, well, they're, you know, if they can run at that pace, surely I should be able to run faster. And then it all goes to ball of chalks if you start thinking (laughs) and comparing yourself to other runners. So um, so run your own race. Yeah, that's really good advice because we can get a bit overexcited sometimes, can't we? Yes. Um, So what typically happens after the halfway point, Karen? So, well, up to nine miles, you might begin, might be just starting to feel tired physically. And I think running in a mass race is is really different to training solo or just training with with somebody else. So you're running buddy. And sometimes it's the environment which can be tiring um, or maybe it's the weather conditions that you're not used to. And I know you were saying, Aileen, with um, the Great North Run, you're never on your own. There are always people lining the streets. So you've always got the crowds in the race, but also outside of the race. And I know that that can be really positive and really encouraging for people. But I find that tiring, you know, because I'm trying to run my own race and I'm in my own head. And it's like an outside distraction for me and almost like a stressor to me at certain points not at the beginning but towards the end I find that quite stressful so it is about running your own race and and sort of trying to stay inside your head if that's good if that affects you 
and staying inside your your own body, your own head, and running your own race. So, it, it, because it can it can lead to that tiredness. Um, be present, like I say. Tune into again your big why. We've spoken about this before, and recite any mantras. I think that's quite a good um, idea as well. Just to have your mantra to keep you going, and um, and that can really help. Break this phase into smaller milestones, maybe just because you're starting to feel a little bit more tired and thinking maybe about time or distance. And quite often thinking about when you're going to be eating next can help sort of pass the time and focus maybe on one runner ahead of you. And then if you pass them, focus on another. So just sort of and that can help maintain your pace when you're starting to feel tired. And then up to 12 miles and after 12 miles, I think this is when you really need to start digging in. Um, And it might help to focus on your posture here, your form here and your technique. And for me, it's very much about um, thinking about my form. And I have this mantra, look up and take in the scenery because I tend to look at my feet and I'm thinking about the maths and the figures and the time and where I am. And, and I have to say to myself, look up and take in the beauty. So something like that, just to, um, to, and that can help with your posture and your form as well. Try to keep your mind and body as relaxed as possible throughout. Think confident thoughts. You are getting towards the end here. So remember that, that um, that the sea will be in front of you. And again, lift up your head and look at the beauty of that. And again, repeat these confident mantras. And every time you feel tired or you feel that your pace is slipping, repeat to yourself that you need to refocus and concentrate and get back into your pace. So those would be my my tips Aileen for for those latter those latter miles yeah well they're fantastic they're more than tips I think they're really great guidance and advice and and that final one you know you were talking about focusing on posture and form and technique I often think about uh, my form when I get tired because I remember um, a running coach I had uh, quite a few years ago Tony he used to always tell me to hold my head high and use my arms when I'm tired because I've got a tendency to forget how my arms can help me and uh, he, he could always tell when I was tired and my one arm used to like flap away he used to do these little videos of me to show me what I was doing mm-hmm. and, um, and so I always remember that um, if I'm you know tired I just think right you know straighten yourself up and use your arms and um, that really helps me mm-hmm. so so that's us at mile 12 Karen any tips for that final mile The final mile. Well, the finest mile can often feel like the longest mile because you're almost there, but you're not quite there. Um, And how you perform often is a result on how well really you've paced yourself throughout the race, sort of in that earlier half of it and then throughout. And you can practice finishing strong in your your training runs, actually, and both your long and your short training runs you know how how do you how would you like to finish your your race like you were saying Aileen earlier that some people want to finish with us with a um a sprint but others just want to maintain a steady pace so so just make the decision on how you want to finish and then um, aim for that in your training 
Now, I read about a coach getting runners practicing negative splits during park runs to help the runners really, truly understand how to do it. Because it is it is a skill like anything else. And another technique is... Um, sometimes referred to as fishing. So you focus on one runner ahead, like I was saying before, um, one runner ahead of you, focus solely on um, reeling them in until you pass them. Then focus on the next runner ahead and repeat that. And that, again, can can help sort of move the mind away from the tiredness you're feeling. And then if you slowly, slowly see yourself um, um, sort of catching up with this or reeling them in as if you were fishing, then you can see that your pace is still steady and you're actually achieving still because you're still passing people. They're not always passing you. So imagine you know, tying a, a fish line to the back and just kind of reeling them in. But it's actually you moving forward and then overtaking them and keep a good pace until the end, really. So um, so that's what I would say for that for that last um, that last mile. And again, it's very much about running your race, running your last mile. And and again, my, I would just say, look up, smile, because you're there. You're almost there. You haven't got far to go. Um, and and I would say if you if you can plan your race ahead of time and visualize it, then really on the day, you can execute your plan. So um, So thinking about how you want to run it in advance and then executing that when you get there yes i see the sea and go fishing that's that's exactly yes absolutely so aileen shall we wrap up now with this um gnr and look at some some fun factoids before we before we close yeah sure so i've i have been uh looking around for some uh, trivia to share with you, which I'm sort of beginning to run out of it. But uh, what I found uh, was that apparently three miles of ribbon is used for all the finishers medals. So that is a lot. So wow. when you when you get to the three mile mark, think that's all the ribbon that's being used. Mm-hmm. And also it's estimated that 18 miles of fabric is used to make the Great North Run T-shirts that we all get at the end. Wow. So, uh, so again, uh, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And apparently, if all the Great North Runners stood head to toe, their combined height would be ten times higher than the height of Mount Everest. Really? So oh. obviously, I've got all this on Google, so it's totally unverified. But <laughs> I think that whoever uh, discovered these things uh, did the research. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I, I like them anyway, Aileen. So, Aileen, just before we go, what is in the finisher's goodie bag and which things do you like? Well, the, the medal and the T-shirt are always great, uh, which is the, the important thing. And, um, you know, I think everybody loves, you know, it's nice to, to see the next week when you go to whatever gym class you're going to or if you're out on your run, you can see people wearing their finisher's T-shirt yeah. uh, so you know that they've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other items aren't that exciting, to be honest. Um, there are sometimes a few little snacks like cereal bars, which can be helpful to, to sort of nibble on the way to the baggage bus. Um, but my advice is take your own poster on snack. Um, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. So don't imagine that you're going to be well fed from your goodie bag. 
Okay, good tip there, Raylene. Okay, so that rounds up today's episode. Um, but again, just before we head off, Raylene, could you just give your key takeaways and, and tell us what's planned for our next year in our episode and last year in our episode? Yeah, sure. So the key takeaway, so with regards to training milestones in the last four weeks before the race, it's important to be consistent with your training plan, um, as always, really, uh, but particularly focusing on your long run, which should be at least 18 kilometres distance, and aim to schedule at least one of your long runs at the same time that the race is scheduled, and try running a different weather condition so that you're really ready for anything on race day. Um, thinking to nutrition milestones, you've already been practicing pre, during and post fueling. So now is the time to fine tune foundational everyday nutrition to support your immune system and energy levels. And the reason for this is it's to give you, you a best shot at being fit and healthy in the lead up to the race and avoid any last minute infections and illnesses. Um, and also remember on long run days, adapt your post run uh, plate balance to include a larger portion of carbohydrates. So up to half a plate would be recommended. Um, we, we suggest with rest and recovery rituals that adding a magnesium salt bath to your post run recovery uh, would be really helpful. And you might want to try some of the magnesium oil spray to target particularly tight muscles after uh, your run training. And then thinking about tips to prevent and manage muscle cramps, they would include having an optimal magnesium status by eating magnesium rich foods and potentially supplements and also being aware of how your sweat rate might affect magnesium status. And remember, if you get a cramp during a run, it's really recommended that you pause and stretch the affected uh, muscle for up to 60 seconds and then resume your run. And next week, obviously, we'll give you a lot more information on muscle cramps. Uh, and finally, Mindset Mojo. Start to think ahead to race day. Visualize your race plan from the travel practicalities to how you're going to plan to run each stage of the race. So we hope today's episode's been helpful. I know it's been quite a long one, but uh, an, an important one. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about tapering your race training and race day nutrition and preparation. So within that, I'll add in uh, what should be in your, your bag at the end of the race. So that's going to be episode 109. And that's going to be on the 18th of August. So we're going to be three weeks uh, until race day. So until then, uh, enjoy your running, everyone. Great. Thanks very much, Aileen. I look forward to the next episode on the 18th of August. So remember, everybody, for today, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your Great North Run race training plan. During this series, we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day. Karen and I would love to help you even more, and we decided the best way to do that is to make you a very special offer to join our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program. It's a program designed for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your run training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the icing on the cake is that part of this program is that you're invited to our weekly coaching circle 
and we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1pm and 7pm UK time. So you'll get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training, so we're hoping that you'll take up our offer. We're offering the program at a very special price of £97. The full price is 297 so that's £200 off the full price. So that works out at less than £1 a day over 16 weeks and there's a multi-payment offer too. So we really hope that you don't miss out on this very special offer. If you'd like to join the programme, please book, a, book via our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to meet you in the Zoom room. Thanks very much for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>